Good morning. I want to welcome you to Memorial United Methodist Church. My name is Joe Cade. I'm the minister here. We're so grateful that you're here. If you're a visitor today, we welcome you. We hope you uh, uh, got a bulletin. If you came through that door, there's no question you were greeted. Um, we also have greeters here. We have restrooms in the back. Our children can come forward for a children's sermon if you would like them to. Um, and we've got a number of announcements before we get started that we want to make sure that you know. It's a busy, busy season. And I know it's a busy season for you outside the church. It is inside as well. Um, number one, we have a new book. Um, that book was uh, supposed to be delivered yesterday. It's disappointing that it wasn't, but it'll probably be here tomorrow. It's The Final Words from the Cross. It's by Adam Hamilton. Adam is uh, um, one of my heroes in the, in the United Methodist Church. He's a minister of a large church in uh, the Midwest. And it's uh, six phrases that Jesus said on the cross. In a way, we get a little ahead of ourselves by reading about that in this season of Lent, but I think it really prepares us for that season that goes so quickly um, in Holy Week. And so we're going to read that book. Um, we should have it next week. If you put your name with book outside on the registry, well, you will have one. If you missed that opportunity last week and you would like one, make sure you put book uh, out from your name. We'll make sure we do that. Um, uh, we've talked for a couple weeks about our director of children's uh, ministries, Katie Jeter, is uh, leaving us deeply sad professionally, deeply happy for her personally. Um, we are going to celebrate um, her time with us by having one combined service on the 28th. The 28th is how many weeks away? Two. And that service will be where? At what time? 10. We're having a 10 o'clock service on the 28th in the sanctuary so that we can then go immediately over to the FLC for a lunch afterwards. They'll be preparing that while we're there. I'm going to invite Don to come to the microphone to tell you about a concert. And while he comes, I'm going to tell you that Sunday night classes resume again tonight for adults at 515 in the social hall. Bob and Bobby McQuaid will teach. Good morning. Uh, next Sunday afternoon at 3 o'clock, we're having another uh, part of our concert series. Uh, it's the, there's just a lot of things going on. We have our handbell choir, the Presbyterian Church handbell choir, and our esteemed choir director, Lauren, will be uh, singing numerous art songs, uh, sacred songs, and I, I'm really excited about it. I'll be a part of it too. But I, um, you know, I wanted to tell all of you, when I did the first concert in November, I was absolutely overwhelmed at the, at the turnout that we had and how much I appreciated it. I told my wife later, I was sure glad that I practiced. <laughs> but this this group, the people I'm working with, that, that was a solo piano. This has got a huge amount of variety in it. Um, there's a work for the both handbell choirs together. Each handbell choir will be playing. And you know, you, a lot of times you'll hear people say, um, "Our uh, come here, our handbell choir. They've worked really hard." And I don't know about you, but I've never found that very enticing. I'm telling you to come and hear them because they are really good, and you're going to have a great time. Not only that, I've been working with Lauren and accompanying him. He is great. His beautiful voice just. I mean, and I'm, I'm getting to be at the middle of this, and I'm seeing how it's exciting it's going to be. So please, I hope you'll uh, put that on your calendar, and I would invite you to come because I think you're going to really have a special time, and we look forward to seeing you. Thank you. Thank you, Don. 
Adam Wycliffe is uh, going to speak to us on behalf of Miss Jane. He's going to tell us about the pictorial directory. And while he comes, I'll tell you that we have one service on the 28th. It's at 10 a.m. It's in the sanctuary. One, one service? Mm-hmm. It, and it's on the 28th? Yeah. It's in here? Yep. Okay. I just want to make sure. Mm -hmm. So another thing to remind you of is uh, about three years ago, we had our latest directory. Um, you, a lot of you are in it. Uh, some of you are um, some of you are babies in it, and now you're not. So what we want to do is we want to have a current directory that has all our current church staff in it and great pictures of you and your family. And so we have um, some dates set up to do portrait sessions with your families March 3rd through the Six. That's a Thursday through Sunday. Uh, the Thursday and Friday windows are between 1 and 8 p.m. Saturday's window is between 10 and 6. And Sunday's the window is between 12.30 and 6 p.m. We're handling sign-ups for this through our website at greerchurch.com. Pretty much just go to our website, look on the left-hand side. There's a link to sign up. Uh, Thursday and Friday are signing up quickly. Sunday is almost completely filled up. And so we have a lot of dates, a lot of times open on Saturday. Um, if these start getting completely filled up, of course, we'll open up some more dates. But go ahead and go on our website today if you can to sign up for these times so you can get the time that you really would like to uh, get signed up. We do have frequently asked questions about the portrait process and the directory on our website. It's on the same page. And if you have any other questions, feel free to ask me in person. Uh, also, my phone number and email address is on the website. And at the end of today's service, we'll have uh, a, a laptop and also Jane will be back there taking sign-ups for the portrait sessions. So thanks. We are starting our security check-in system next week. We're going to give it a test drive with people with the last name A through D. So if you have a last name A through D and you have a child that's fifth grade or below, we want you to go to the front hallway of the FLC. Your name should be entered in there. You'll get a sticker, your child will get a sticker, and you will need that sticker to pick up your child. Generally speaking, the problem with the system is not the child. It's the parent. Got to hold on to that sticker. Uh, so we're going to give that a test run next week. I'm excited about that uh, and expanding that to our entire church. That has got to be enough for you to hold on to. So we're going to begin our worship service.
You'll see our colors have changed. Our cross has been added with purple. Our songs are changing. Our scripture is changing. All leading into the season of Lent in which we are reflecting on the fact that human beings in so many cases impede the progress of God, the ultimate goal of reaching every person with love, grace, and mercy. And so I want you to notice the way it looks. I want you to notice the way it sounds, the way it feels as we build in this season of Lent. Please stand as you are able to sing number 292. What wondrous love is this?
Let us now affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From then she shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Invite the children to come forward for the children's sermon. morning. Um, did you have a good start to your Valentine's weekend? Good. Uh, one thing we're going to talk about today together is temptation. Do you know what temptation is? Can you give me an example? So you see chocolate and you want it and you're tempted to buy it? Or if it's at home, you're tempted to eat it? Can you tell the temptation we had this morning? Playing video games instead of getting ready for church? Yeah, that's a tough one. I'm going to give you a couple of examples of other children and their temptations. Okay. All right, Johnny um, had an empty feeling in his stomach. He had known that he was going to have a spelling test, but instead of getting ready for the spelling test and studying, he was playing those video games. And when the teacher said, it's time to get out your sheet of paper and pencil, he wasn't ready. Um, he had watched TV the night before and played his video games instead of studying. And when the test began, he looked around the room and realized he could see another child's paper. And he thought, it won't hurt if I look at her paper just this once. I promise I'll never do it again and nobody will know. What do you think you should do? Sound out the words himself, do the best he can. 
yeah, it's, it's tempting to look at her paper, but he's got to do his own best, right? Okay, and let me find the other story. Oh, there was a bowl of candy sitting out on the coffee table in the living room, and Mary's mother noticed that she was looking at the candy and said, don't you eat any candy until after dinner. I don't want it to spoil your appetite. The candy looked so good, and the temptation was so great. Surely just one piece won't hurt. And my mother will never know the difference, Mary thought to herself. What do you think she should do? She should wait until after dinner. Yes, she should wait until after dinner. Do you know that Jesus had temptations too? No? He has a few um, in the story I want to share with you. Okay, this is when Jesus had been without food for 40 days. He was hungry, and Satan knew he was hungry. So he said to him, if you're really the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. Jesus could have easily done what Satan suggested, but he didn't. Instead, he said, it is written, man does not live by bread alone. Then the devil took Jesus to a high place and showed him the worldly kingdoms below. All of this belongs to me, he said. If you bow down and worship me, I will give it to you. And Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Next the devil took Jesus to Jerusalem and led him up to the highest point in the temple. And he said to Jesus, If you're the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. God will send his angels to rescue you. Again, Jesus quoted the scripture, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Do you know what the devil did? He said, I'll come back another day and try again. Okay? Um, I have some temptation for you to take home a piece of candy um, to save till after lunch this afternoon. And I also have um, a picture that I wanted to show you with the word Valentine that goes with our, our beliefs. And it says, For God so loved the world, he gave his only Son, his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but will have everlasting life. And you can see the word Valentine in the entire verse. Can you see it? Through the letters? Okay, I have a prayer, and then I will let you choose your candy that you want to take with you. Okay, so you can bow your heads. Dear Father, help us to learn what the Bible teaches us to do so that when the devil tempts us, we can do what Jesus did, answer him with Scripture. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
scripture reading this morning comes from Psalm chapter 31, verses 9 through 16. Be merciful to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and my body with grief. My life is consumed by anguish and my years by groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction, and my bones grow weak. Because of all my enemies, I am the utter contempt of my neighbors. I am a dread to my friends. Those who see me on the street flee from me. I am forgotten by them as though I were dead. I have become like broken pottery, for I hear the slander of many. There is terror on every side. They conspire against me and plot to take my life. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. Deliver me from my enemies and from those who pursue me. Let your face shine on your servant. Save me in your unfailing love. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious God, help us to learn from the psalmist, a person who wrote in deep agony and pain and isolation. Help us to understand the brokenness of humanity, the jealousy, the greed, the selfishness, the inability to act based on crippling fear. But also, Lord, help us to learn of the line in which he said, I trust in you completely. While I let myself down, while humanity might let me down, while I might let humanity down, you are present with me, Lord, and I believe it. Calling me in this season with accountability. Accountability that is critical to improving our ability to be instruments of your grace and mercy. But not simply accountability. You also give us grace and mercy, love that precedes our action, and opportunity to change going forward. Make us aware of this tension, Lord, in this season, so that we may truly understand your Son's walk to Jerusalem, our participation in it, and our celebration of Easter Sunday. Inspire us this morning, Lord, as we pray the prayer your Son taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As we turn to our time of offering, I encourage you to constantly look at the bulletin to see where we stand. Were it not for a Sunday in which we didn't gather, we stayed in our pajamas one time in the ice. In January, we're doing very, very well this year. Based on your commitment last year and your keeping that commitment, we're entirely grateful and we take it very seriously and are going um, to have a very promising year because of it. Let's give our tithes and other offerings. And if you would like to um, pass the attendance register and place book beside your name, if you would like a book to be ordered for you.
I invite you to take out your pew Bibles, if you like, and turn to page 1641. At the top left page, it's Luke chapter 23, starting with verse 26. We're using selected uh, verses of the text, and I'll also read some and stop some and read some and stop some, so if you'd like to keep it open, I invite you to do so. Again, we're talking about the final words of Jesus on the cross throughout the season of Lent, and each one of them has a um, very significant thing about humanity, about God, and about the relationship between humanity and God. Luke 23, starting with verse 26. As the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way from the country, and put a cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So the thing I thought of when I read this text this time was sometimes you just simply get pulled in. I've been on many church trips. I've been on many school trips as a kid, and I've now led many school trips and many church trips as an adult. And in every instance, it was either said to me or I have said, remember who you are, remember your family, remember who you represent. Let's make good choices throughout this event because of uh, all the implications of that. We want to make solid good choices and have a good safe time. But sometimes the environment uh, maybe adults worse than kids. The environment pulls you in and causes you to do things that you would not normally do. Why are the soldiers there? Well, ultimately they're there because the emperor has expanded the empire and makes sure that there are soldiers on the outer edge of it all the way back to Rome to make sure that they can keep the empire. You want to keep the empire in your own hands and you want to make sure that people stay in line. You want to make sure that people pay their taxes and let's just keep it calm. I don't care what anybody else does. I don't care what what else you want to do with your life as long as you stay calm and let's pay your taxes. But now these men are involved in an insurrection. They've been asked to remove this man, Jesus, because they were convinced by religious leadership at the time This man is a threat to the stability of this region. He's threatening our God, which you could probably care less, but he's threatening your stability. And so you need to do something about it. Why is the crowd there? Well, there's, um, you know, I've I've been fortunate enough to be in a number of different places in Israel uh, a couple times, and of course, any busy place, there's always just a crowd there, period. And they are some of them are bystanders. Many people are in Jerusalem for this specific time. They're there to celebrate the Passover. They're celebrating a moment that's described in the book of Exodus. The last major moment in which God helped free the people of Israel from slavery in Egypt. And so at a time when they're coming to Jerusalem to celebrate God granting freedom... They are taking a man viciously to his death on a cross. You know how it's uh, uh, very disconcerting to you to see something about, something to do with violence somewhere around Christmas, something to do with violence somewhere around Easter, something to do with uh, uh, some happy time. What are you going to be that way on Thanksgiving? Don't be that way on Thanksgiving. It's Thanksgiving. 
In this season of great joy and liberation and love on the part of God, the people are doing something incredibly vicious to God's Son. Why is Simon there? Uh, well, all it really says is he's coming into the city from the country. You know, you, you could get some punchlines out of that, of a country boy coming into the city. It could have every bit to do with the religious season. He could be coming there. He could be um, a bystander. He could be selling something. The, the point is he's coming in and he didn't have any plans to participate in what's going on with Jesus. And now suddenly he's helping Jesus carry that cross. Can you imagine how shocking that would be? How jarring that would be? If you're in any public situation and you see someone doing something a little out of the ordinary, you're going to walk wide of that situation because you don't want to be a part of it. I don't know what any of that is, and I don't want to participate, and I don't want to get hurt. Plus, I have something to do. The women. Following Jesus, powerless to do anything, much of anything in this society, crushed by the violence and pain and devastation and wailing at the loss that they are about to experience. Imagine that crowd. Imagine how crazy that scene would be. Now look at verse 33 if you have, uh, if you have them open. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. This is something that I had never realized in reading this text for 15 years as a minister, is that all throughout the Gospels, the people are clamoring to be on his left and on his right. When they have a meal, they say, can I sit close to you? When the, uh, uh, those guys cut through the guy's roof, you're hosting Jesus, and uh, all of a sudden the roof is the big saws coming in, and they're cutting a hole in the roof, and they're lowering their friend down. They wanted to get that person close to Jesus. Well, number one, why can't they get in the door? Everybody else wants to be close to Jesus. Why do they want to be close? They want to learn something. They want to be healed. They want to be there for a significant event. How hard would it have been to get tickets to the um, debate at the Peace Center last night? I bet that was a difficult ticket. You want to be in close proximity to something significant. This, uh, uh, the two guys, uh, uh, honestly, it's, it's, I've had too much this morning. I can't remember their first names, but the sons of Zebedee. Their mother says, Jesus, um, when this is all over and we go to heaven. Can one of my sons sit on your left and one of my sons sit on your right? I, I really want them to be close. This is when amazing things are happening or significant things are happening or people are being healed. How many people on earth want to be on his left and his right today? None. Those two guys just happen to be on his left and his right because they're criminals and they're being crucified as well. No one wants to be there. No one's saying, hey, can we be next to you? Could, uh, I, I'd cut a hole in a roof to get to be next to you right now. Could I be next to you in eternity? Nope. They're going, wow, that is one of the most painful, violent, broken things I've ever seen in my life. And if I happen to go close to it, something like that could happen to me. Isolated. Today, humans are doing the most violent thing they have done in human history. They are taking the Son of God on a day of celebration of liberation and love 
and humiliating him. Now, I want to be very clear with you. I will um, occasionally comment on the politics, but never tell you what you should do. I'm just commenting on this. You hear this? I'm just commenting on it. All right. This is a commentator of Republican primaries said, the people of Iowa want to know that you will slush through the snow and come to their meetings and listen. The people of New Hampshire want to know that you'll come into their house and have some tea. He said, the people of South Carolina want to know that you can take a punch. <laughs> oh, wow. Now, I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm not personally saying that about South Carolina. I'm saying that's what this political pundit said about the nature of coming to the state of South Carolina for a primary. And you know, to be fair, we got, we got a little history of violence. We got a little history of insurrection. Okay? And did y'all watch the debate last night? Did you see how it was ramped up a little bit? You see how the, the words were louder, the, the words were more targeted? Now, part of that's about the process moving on and trying to get your spot. But I'm sure part of it was them listening to, this is what these people want to see. Now, is that exclusive to the state of South Carolina? No. Is that exclusive to this modern age? Absolutely not. The Romans. They wanted to see what this guy who said, look, this guy says he's your king. He says, he says you're, he's the Messiah. Look at him now. How's, how's that going? Are, are you, are you going to give us a violent response back? you going to do anything about it? Or are you just going to stay there? King, Messiah, whatever. With all of that swirling around in the same spot. Verse 34. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. <laughs> that is amazing. There's a point, I did it the other day, that's why it's fresh in my mind. There's a point in downtown Greenville where a church crosses over Academy coming into town. And so many people get stacked up on Academy and they want to go into town that when the light turns red, they, you know what, I want to make this one. And so they come across church and they just stay there. And if you're on church and you're wanting to go, well, it's going to be another light. If you've ever been in a situation like that, have you said, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do? <laughs> nope. Uh... <laughs> Children who pay attention are now in the car with me when I speak in the midst of traffic. I would do well to say such. When I was a server at Chili's and we were closing at midnight and I've been there since two and someone's walking in at 10.50 with a party of eight and you're looking and you're going, this isn't going to go well. Minimum two people are going to return their food today. 6%, I would say, is the peak of what the tip will be on this enormous check. Never in my life as a 21-year-old did I say, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. Okay. I mentioned last week about taking out the trash. I'm, uh, uh, well, let me give you a better one. Did you all notice I didn't mention Valentine's Day at the beginning? Part of that is, you know, the, you know, the church, and we got a number of things that we've got to cover. Part of that is... Um, I'm 
really better at the 325 days that aren't holidays than I am the days that are holidays. And that took us a long time in my relationship with my wife for me to express, I love you on Tuesday the 13th, you know, big time. But, you know, I'm going to struggle on the 14th. That's going to be one of my struggles. And she loves to celebrate and do things big. And um, in the early days when that wasn't there, I, I don't think she was saying, Father, forgive him. He knows not what he does. <laughs> he knows not what he does. And see, I could list a hundred. We could stay here all afternoon and list simple little scenarios in which we do not say that. Much less if we're tired, dehydrated, hungry, having been beaten, taken to this place of humiliation by humanity that was granted free will to do this to me by my father. In that moment, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. That's the phrase that we're focusing on today. Adam uh, Hamilton, the minister that wrote the book, the um, uh, Church of the Resurrection in, in the Midwest, he said, we need forgiveness. That's number one, we need to notice. We need to notice in this season, we need forgiveness. He said, United Methodists sometimes are reluctant to talk about sin and use that term. He said, we should not be. Accountability is half of the process here. We should be talking about the way we fall short. Now, we make a mistake when we make it the focal point, just accountability, just you fall short, and that's it, and let's go home. But we do need to acknowledge it. We struggle. We do the things that we want to do. We say the things that we want to say. We spend the things that we want to spend, and we need to acknowledge it. The second thing he wanted us to notice in this chapter is God's grace is a gift. He said, mercy was available in that horrific place. And I've never considered such until I read this chapter. He said, if mercy was available in that horrific place, is there any place in which it is not available? But we sure figure it is. Whether it's based on ourselves or whether it's based on others, we think, well, I'm going to have to earn it this time. Mercy is a gift that is offered to us. And if it was available that day, it is available every single day. And finally, he said, Jesus modeled forgiveness. An uncommon level of sacrifice for people that were ending his life. Literally. You know how we say literally and we don't really mean literally? They are literally ending his life right now. Adam said, it's incredibly difficult to breathe in that moment. And so if it's difficult to breathe, it's very difficult to speak. And if you are going to say something, it's going to be something you really mean. And if you took a deep breath in that moment, and it was the only breath you were going to have, and you were going to say some of these people that were doing it, the people who were just standing there that could do something about it, the people who were really cheering for it, the people who were um, instigating the people that were cheering for it, and for him to say, Father, forgive them. So the question is, can we accept it? Can we accept the forgiveness that Jesus offers us? That is not a given. We can reject it. Figuring that we are the ones that have to earn it, and if we haven't earned it yet, then we can't have it. Or those people have to earn it, and if they haven't earned it, they cannot have it. Can we accept it? Can we work to offer it? If we do those two things in this season... 
we are building our way towards Easter. Building our way towards understanding the brokenness of humanity, but the overwhelming completeness of God, the love of God for us. So in this season, we will pursue this effort. We'll pay attention to the things that Jesus said. We'll understand how humanity is broken, but how God is complete. And we will pray for one another that we can understand God's truth for us. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for this season of preparation. Preparation entirely different of Advent for Christmas. A preparation of understanding our part in the crowd, every single phase of that crowd, and your part of presence. Offering forgiveness as a gift. Modeling it with your actions and your words. Help us, Lord, to pay attention to understand, to become your disciples for the transformation of the world. It's in your Son's name we pray. Amen. If you will stand as you're able for our final hymn, number 142.
Go now in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power and presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen. Thank mm-hmm. you.